0: Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad starts a new sermon series called The Gift as he looks at the significance and the purpose of the shepherds in the biblical Christmas story. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. Oh, what a gift as we celebrate the gift of Jesus this Christmas. Welcome to Impact Church. Many of you that have been here now for a few weeks know that we have just come out of a sermon series that we were in for 16 weeks that ended last week called Counter Culture, uh, Speaking the Truth in Love, and we have been going through and talking about a lot of uh, the world and the culture's most divisive and sensitive issues that even the church has been silent on for way too long. So if you've missed any of that, or maybe you missed the whole sermon series, you can go back and check that out on Facebook, on our YouTube channel. We're even talking about possibility of maybe putting that on some CDs as a series to push out. So maybe you can, uh, does anybody use CDs anymore? I don't know. Anyway, but we might put those out. So if anybody still has it in their car, they can use that and, and listen to them. I don't know. But anyway, so um, Maybe I should give a big congratulations to everybody that's still here after those 16 weeks, right? Man, y'all hung in there, you know? Man, back when the Lord was leading me to do that, and I was like, Lord, we just grew. You want to cut the church in half already? I mean, you want to run everybody away. But man, you, look at this. Place still packed, and the uh, Lord's here, so maybe y'all should get t-shirts. I survived counterculture, you know? Maybe I should get a t-shirt. I'm still alive after preaching counterculture. I don't know, but man, it's been a great series. Uh, The Lord spoke a lot of truth to it, so go back and check that out. So we're moving into a new Christmas sermon series today called The Gift, as you can kind of see all around me, all right? And, And what we'll be looking at is the Christmas story and the significance of today, the shepherds, next week, the wise men, the birth of Christ. The Sunday right after Christmas, and then the gift of new life will be the Sunday of, of New Year. So uh, this sermon series will be four weeks long, and immediately after that, we're going to start into our next sermon series, where we will be going through the book of Ezra. Where we will be expositionally teaching through that. Um, somebody will be like, "Ezra. Why Ezra?" Well, if you remember when we closed uh, counterculture, we spoke of Daniel and gave the uh, example of making a stand in a culture that was going the wrong direction. All right. And so Ezra, now, after the Israelites had been taken uh, out of Judah into Babylon to be Babylonized, if you will, right? Um, Now, Cyrus of Persia is going to overtake. Babylon and he's going to make a decree that now the Israelites can go back into Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. So that sermon series is moving out of counterculture and out for these people, these Israelites who still made a stand for the Lord in a godless culture. Now God is giving them the opportunity to return and rebuild is the name of that sermon series. So be looking forward to that. So that is the months and weeks ahead. So let's get going in our new sermon series today called The Gift. All right, and we think about the gift, and we, we think about the, the gift of a present under a Christmas tree, especially around this season, and when you think of a, a gift that you go and look for, and maybe you know that your child wants specifically, or that somebody in your family or a friend, they really want something specific, when you go out and you look for that gift, will anything else do? No. How about the generic? The imitation? No. You want the real thing. You want the, you want the name brand, right? Your kid, I, I remember years ago, and, and you, you can think about many examples when they're like the hottest toy out on the market, and people just rushing just kind of groves in, into the store and just pounce on each other and like get all over each other at the door and get in fights over whatever the newest toy is. I remember years and years ago, it was a like Cabbage Patch doll, man. I'm just dated myself. I know you're like, what's a Cabbage Patch doll? But I remember people fighting over those things, man, when I was a kid and stuff. It's just nuts. So, and, and, and there was all kinds of other dolls in the store, but it wasn't a Cabbage Patch doll, right? Okay. So when we go after something in the physical, we know what we want and we don't settle for anything less. But it's so untrue spiritually so many times. You see, because we know what we want. We know we're looking for joy. We know we're looking for love. We know we're looking for hope. We know we're looking for peace. And if you know the Bible and you know the scripture, you know where you're going to find it. But yet so many times we give up on the real deal and go for a substitute. We go for a cheap imitation spiritually in the world that that promises joy that promises peace that promises hope but it always falls short and it always leaves an emptiness still inside our life and leaves us longing for more. And that's what the world is caught up in searching for the gift but going for a substitute a cheap imitation that won't last. So today, we want to look at this Christmas story, and we want to learn, because I promise you, there's a lot in here, in the Christmas story, that maybe you just arbitrarily know, or maybe you even read on Christmas morning to your family, and I hope you do, but did you know there is so much significance inside the details of this story? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I promise you, regardless of where you're at, you're going to learn something. You're going to learn something today. I learned something. And I can't wait to share with you what the Lord has taught me in this story, because today we're going to look at the significance of the shepherds in the Christmas story. The story of this gift that God gave that will bring us love, hope, joy, peace, what we're really looking for in life, significance, identity, everything. It's in Christ. And then what is the significance found in the story around it and alluding up to it? See, the problem is I think we're so familiar with the Christmas story that it's lost its shock factor to us. What we need to see is when this story was first presented, it was wow. It wasn't just, well, in the Bethlehem, in a manger. I mean, it was, it was like <sighs> life-changing So I want us to get back to the shock factor and the magnitude of this story and learn what God has for us in the details of this story. Because, man, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with it. We see it represented everywhere we go. We, We see pictures. We have social media posts with the manger. We see manger scenes outside of people's yards. We pass by them probably 100 times a day. And we see the shepherds and we see the wise men and we see the baby Jesus. But what's the significance? of all that? What's the significance of the shep- uh, of the shepherds? What do they mean? I mean, when you look at the shepherds, why are they even in the story? There's no detailed record, at least that we know of, of who these shepherds were after this event. It doesn't tell us what they went on to do. It doesn't tell us if it significantly changed their lives. I'm sure it did. It doesn't tell us Really anything about them. They didn't become some of the disciples. No record specifically after this encounter. So why this detail? Why the shepherds? So that's today's message. As we look at the significance of the shepherds and the message that God is going to bring to us today as we look and search and learn from him in this Christmas story, the gift. Let me pray before we dive in. Dear gracious heavenly father lord we love you father we thank you for jesus lord the reason that we are here lord you're the reason we're here every single week every single day of our lives and we're here to glorify you to magnify you to praise you lord every week and lord specifically as we begin to narrow down and zero in on the day we celebrate as your birthday father as the gift of your son lord may you speak to us through your word today as we go back and we look at this story that we're all so familiar with, that we have all read maybe hundreds of times in our life, but yet there's so much significance that maybe we've overlooked, that maybe we haven't been taught, that, Lord, you want to bring to us today and in the few weeks to come. So, Lord, as we dive into your word, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you teach us? Would you show us? And, Lord, would you move in our hearts, Lord, and and really move us Lord, to be all that you've called us to be, Lord, that we can seek your gift, the gift of your Son, that gives us everything that we're looking for. And Lord, as such, help us to then not settle for something less, for the things of this world that will imitate, that may give temporary pleasure, but will give no lasting fulfillment. Lord, may we not settle for less, but always move toward gaining everything that you've given in the gift of your son so we give you glory for what you're about to do in jesus name amen all right so i don't know why this thing's going in and out so just bear with me we're going to keep rolling turn with me to luke chapter 2 and we're going to be in verses 8 through 20 luke chapter 2 the christmas story we're going to read specifically verses 8 through 20 which is going to give this passage regarding the shepherds. So I'm going to read it first, and then we're going to take a specific look into what God has for us here today. Verse 8 starts. Now there were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, this picture of shepherds being told this amazing good news that the Christ, the Messiah, was born, and he was here. So where's the significance in that? Does it mean anything, or is it just, eh, just part of the story? Well, I can tell you that anything in God's word has significance, that it's not just there just to be there. That there's meaning and there's value and there's application in the story of the shepherds. You'd be like, hold up. You'll see. Yes, you can apply it. So first, I want us to think about this situation. Let's say that God hired you to be his PR guy and his marketing specialist to tell everybody Jesus is coming. All right? Where would you go and what would you do? Who would you go to to spread the word? I mean, they didn't have internet back then and Facebook, all right? Okay? So, you had, to, you had to get a messenger. Who would you pick? Probably pick somebody that was the most esteemed and popular, wouldn't you? Somebody that everybody would listen to. First thought might be the king, all right? Herod and all them in the day, but then you might be thinking, well, he might get a little jealous. You'd be right. So maybe he wouldn't be the best one. So then maybe who would you look to after that? Maybe the people that were influential within the church. How about the Sadducees, the Pharisees? They were the ones that studied the scriptures. They were the ones that knew the scriptures and were also, quote, looking for the Messiah to come. They would be a great one to go to. But that's not who the Lord went to first. So we see that the way we would think in our ways are not God's ways, all right, first and foremost. And we know scripture many times tells us that. So what would make sense to us is not what was best for God. Why? Because we see and we're going to know that God knows the heart of people. So why would God choose this most spectacular announcement of the, the bringing and the gift of his son and choose this news to be given first to a a group of shepherds i guarantee you that's not who you would pick if you were the pr specialist back at that time just the profession by itself shepherds out in the country by themselves maybe two three four of them a handful of them definitely not magnitudes they spend their days away from people and that's who you go tell the christ is born Think about that. You know there's going to be significance. So why? But what is it? They have limited social standing at the time, limited voice in the community just by the nature of their profession and what they're doing. Many of them were young. They were children. So why? Why the shepherds? So we're going to pick out and see in this passage seven things of why the story of the shepherds are significant to us this Christmas season. When we look at the gift that God's bringing, the gift that God has given, the first thing we're going to see that's significant inside of this that we've already alluded to is God honors the hearts that truly seek him. God honors the hearts that truly seek him. So I want you to think about that for just a minute. Where I talked about there were Sadducees and Pharisees out there, people much wiser in the scriptures than probably these shepherds. You see, these shepherds had heard the scripture, obviously, and they were looking for the Messiah. So obviously they had a relationship with God. They obviously were shepherds that knew and trusted God and were looking forward to the gift of his son. They knew the prophecies of old. But so did the Sadducees and Pharisees in much more detail. So why not them? I mean, you gotta, you got to see here at the point, we, you know, we haven't seen Jesus yet address the Pharisees like we know is going to happen through the gospel so many times, right? And call them out in their religiosity and their legalism and their wanting to keep to the, to the rules and the laws, but they don't have the heart of faith to trust God when he's right in front of their face. How many times can we be like that if we're not careful, where we stick to the rules, we stick to the religion, we stick to the legalism and, and the moral law, but we don't put our trust, our faith, and give our heart to a holy God when he's right in front of our face? You see, God Nari knew the heart of the Pharisees and Sadducees because he's God. He didn't have to walk the earth with them first to figure out who they were. He knew who they were. So he knew he couldn't go to them because they would have been, ah, nah. If the Messiah comes, he's not going to be in a manger in some stable. And they wouldn't have told nobody. God knew it. So he goes to a shepherd who has the heart and trust in the faith because he knows their heart. And God reveals this birth of Jesus to them basically to shame the religious leaders of the time as well. Let's look at a passage of scripture that Paul taught to the church at Corinth that alludes to that. In 1 Corinthians, turn with me to chapter 1, and let's read verses 26 through 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31 says this, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put shame to the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. There you go. You got that? But of him you are in Christ Jesus. Who became for us wisdom from God. In righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written. He who glorifies let him glory in the Lord. The NIV in that verse 31 uses the word boast. Over him who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. So there it is. You see, God knew that there was pride in the heart of the infinite wisdom of the Sadducees and Pharisees, the studiers of the scripture, the most religious of the day that kept the law. But they didn't have faith in the Savior. They didn't have faith that the Son of God would come, especially not in a manger around a bunch of animals in a barn, in a, put in a trough. That wouldn't have been him. So they would have cast it off. So God went to the ones whose heart he knew was seeking him. That's huge. Does your heart truly seek God today? Have you heard the message of the word like the shepherds have, and you've put it in your heart to put trust and faith in him, even when you don't know or see the outcome yet? do you trust him like that? That's who God reveals himself to because he knows your heart. So biblically, shepherding, a worthy occupation, we can look through that and you could see so many times how the Bible alludes to shepherding, all right? And we see that although there was a not a, a downcast profession per se. I mean, they weren't treated like leopards, all right? You know, people with, with leprosy. They weren't treated as, as, as the tax collectors or, or they weren't treated necessarily like, say, the adulterers, the prostitutes of the time. So they weren't like outcasts like that. But they weren't the ones that people would turn to for information. <laughs> they weren't the ones you would go to for some wisdom and some advice, all right? And these were people that were, like I said, isolated and not around a lot of people most of their life. And on top of that, the Pharisees were kind of against him because these were people, obviously, as a shepherd, you can't take the Sabbath day off, right? You still got to guard the sheep. So, so many times the shepherds were not able to keep the law like the Pharisees wanted them to. All right? So these people would, but in their heart, we've already said, specifically these, because God knew these specific shepherds' hearts, whoever they were, that they would have liked to have been there in God's place worshiping, but they had an obligation to fulfill, all right? So please don't get the wrong message out of that and be like, we don't have to go to church. That's not what God's saying through this, okay? Just the opposite. Their heart wanted to be there, and if they didn't have the shepherd, if they could get another shepherd to do it, they were in there worshiping the Lord, I'm sure, that's the heart that we have okay so biblically they had this heart the pharisees were probably against them because they couldn't keep the sabbath so we see this clash and see where god would use the weak to shame the wise i love what isaiah 61 says if you look at that passage you can go back and read it later but it says the spirit of the sovereign lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach good news to who to the poor He has anointed me to to bind up the the brokenhearted and and to preach freedom for the captives, for the prisoners. So I want you to think about this, this idea of the good news coming to the most lowly. Even first, before anybody else receives the news. So when Christ comes and who he is here in this manger will be really become more evident over the next 30 years of his life as he goes to a cross where he dies as the Savior for the world, that he is the Messiah, and he did not just do it for the up-and-uppers. This is not a faith for just the who's who among society. You see, because if he wanted to only appeal to those, he wouldn't have come in a manger. He wouldn't have just worked as a carpenter because that wasn't cool. He would have been born in a palace with gold and silver and rubies and riches and that's the prosperity gospel preachers, right? That's who he'd have been. He wouldn't have been in a manger and carpenter. What? The Messiah? God in the flesh? That's, That's who he chose? He could have been anything he wanted and he chose that. Because all that other stuff's not important. Because he came to reach even the lowest of the low, the outcast, the, the ones who were isolated from society. So we see this passage in 1 Corinthians, and it says, Not many of the intellectuals and the mighty and the noble are called of God. That they're going to miss out because maybe they're dependent on something that's so temporary. They're they're looking for the gift, but they're settling for the cheap substitute that's not going to last. And so you see the story of a gift that's missed because of the wrong focus. If you look at verse 12 here in this passage in Luke 2 that we read, it leads to a, a couple statements that are made by the angel. And we... After the first one where the angel had said, fear not, from bringing you good news of great joy, then in verse 12 it says, and this will be a sign to you, all right, that you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. God knew that's all he had to tell them. Did the angel tell them, go find him? not in there is it God already knew the heart of these shepherds that they were seeking him that all that he had to do was share who was here and what they needed to look for and they were going to go find it God has shown you and me through the scriptures who he is and everything we need to look for are you finding it here does somebody have to tell you to go find it Do you depend on me? I hope not to stand up here every Sunday to motivate you to get through the week, to go search the scriptures and find out who God is in your life and in your family. Or is his truth alone enough to make you move? You see, God, all he had to do was say what was going on. And the heart of the shepherd was to go seek him and find him. There's a great significance in the shepherd story when you dig in that's why they were selected for this announcement the most humble probably of the humble because they had no reason to boast except for in who god was and they went to seek him they said let's go in verse 15 did you see that once the angel had left in verse 15 they looked at each other let's go not Well, maybe next week or, you know, the baby's born, you know, and it'll take a while. So we got a lot to do here at work. So uh, maybe after we take care of these sheep and run these wolves off and, you know, we take care of this and we build this new sheepfold we got to build. But once we do all that, we'll go, let's go. Another message in that, how many times do we delay seeking God, surrendering to God in our heart and our life because we got too much going on in our own life right now? I want to get through college first, God. I want to, I want to join the frat and the sorority first. I'll seek you later in about four years, maybe once I get married and settle down. But right now, I want to live it up. I ain't got time for you. Right now, Lord, I I want to climb the clinical ladder at work, and and man, to do so, I can't stand for you right now because my boss ain't a Christian, and if he knows that I'm standing for the Lord, he's probably not going to give me that, that promotion I'd really need so I can get more things. So I'm just going to put you off on the shelf for a while. I'm not going to seek you just yet. How many times, and you can fill in the blank, do we put off on moving when God has shown us who he is and where we need to go, and we put it off for the things of this world? Because we're too busy. God says go. The shepherds went. That's why they received the message first. Number two, what's the second significant thing in this story that we need to know about these shepherds? Inside of this message being brought to them, here it is. God shows that he cares about the personal invitation to you and me to find hope and joy in him and to seek him. God's showing that he cares to come to us personally and individually and reveal who he is. You see, he's God. Angels were there. It could have put it on the loudspeaker out of Jerusalem or something, right? <laughs> Savior's born, everybody in the manger right over there. Go get it. It's not what he did. He could have told everybody right there he didn't have to bother with the shepherds. Right? Why, why are you going to bother with some shepherds when you could put it on the loudspeaker? Right? Put it on the, put the uh, dude on the camel. The Savior's coming. The Savior is coming. Right? <laughs> Instead of Paul Revere. <laughs> he could have done it any different way, but he went to a shepherd because God wants to personally invite you. to the gift. He's personally inviting you by revealing himself to you and he wants you to seek him. He doesn't want you to seek him because your mom does. He doesn't want you to seek him because your great-grandma Ma does. He doesn't want you to seek him because I do. He wants you to seek him because he loves and he cares about you. And he cares about the specific, I can't talk, design and plan that he has for each and every one of you. And it's not just a dun-da-da-da! It's you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Will you let me in? Have you let him in? He's knocking at the door of your heart, people, in so many ways. Have you truly let him in? It's a personal invitation from the Spirit of God to seek him to come find him. Significance in this personal invitation is because when you think about this, we're in the New Testament now. Malachi, the prophecy of Malachi ended some 400 years before that. There was this seemingly silence of God for 400 years. And God comes to an angel and reveals himself personally to a group of shepherds. Now you think about that. 400 years of silence. Silence. Yeah, he's come to Joseph and Mary, but they haven't told nobody because they're probably a little freaked out right now about people finding this out and wondering who they are and what's, what's going on around here. So they haven't really told anybody, but he went to the shepherds and said, go. I mean, he didn't say go. They wanted to go. He knew they were going to go tell, but the message was there. Come seek me. And he knew they were going to tell others. The first voice seemingly of God from heaven in 400 years to somebody. The announcement was for them. But ultimately, the announcement was for everybody. The announcement was for you and me today. To come and seek him and find him. That the Savior, the gift that we're all looking for is here. So you think of it this way when you read this passage and what this angel had brought to them. That there was this gift of joy, this personal invitation for joy. Man, that's what everybody's looking for today is want to be happy. Man, and, and the things of this world, we just went through a whole sermon series on Philippians, and we talked about joy in so many different circumstances. You can go back and check that out as we went six months through the book of Philippians. Everybody's searching for joy, and we think joy only comes when our circumstances are great. But that's not the truth of the Bible. True joy, the joy of Christ comes regardless of the circumstances that we're in. So here's this message of great joy for all people, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you're facing, this is what you're looking for. It's in Christ. Stop going to a bottle. Stop going to a relationship that's not your spouse. Stop going to a computer screen. Stop going everywhere else that the world wants to try to make you think you're going to find your joy and happiness in and look for where it is, and that's the true gift of Christ this Christmas. It's your personal invitation to find really what you're looking for. And it's only in him. Number three, the third thing we see as significance from the shepherds in this Christmas story is a confirmation of God's truth and faithfulness. Inside this is a confirmation of God's truth and faithfulness. You're like, hold up. What are you talking about? Well... First and foremost, we already talked about the prophets of the Old Testament had prophesied numerous times about the coming of the Messiah. Who he would be, how he would be born, how he would live his life, how he would die, how he would raise again from the grave. All of this was prophesized. And it's so crazy because you think all the people that studied this would be like, boom, there it is. I remember what they said in Isaiah. I remember what Psalm said. I remember, I remember, and this matches. But the light didn't go on for anybody. Because you see, even the disciples as they walked with Jesus over the next 30 years would still have questions at the what was going on. All of the the people that as as Jesus would come into Jerusalem in 30 years on a donkey thinking that he was just going to overtake and give them a a new life and and overcome the the evilness that was going on in their society and give them an overtake of the government. That's what they were cheering on Palm Sunday about. Woo, Jesus, yeah, you're going to make my life good. Come on, do it. And then by the end of the week, the same people that were cheering him on on Palm Sunday were yelling, crucify him. Because they found out that he wasn't going to just make their life good. He was actually going to die on a cross. What you think about that? They still didn't know. They walked with him. They knew the scriptures and they, they didn't believe. They didn't have faith. Many of them were religious, the Pharisees of the time, yelling, crucify him. They were the ones that should have known the most. They were in church every Sunday, <laughs> they should have known. That they needed to surrender their heart and life through faith to Jesus Christ and not just believe on the ritual. And we come against the Pharisees so easily but so many times we're like the Pharisees in our heart where we, we know the ritual but we fail to put the trust and faith and hope of our life in the Savior. God's faithfulness was revealed also here to Joseph and Mary. I want you to look at verse 19. It says in When the shepherds had come and told these things, it says Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What does that mean? You see, God was speaking to Joseph and Mary at the same point as when the shepherds came. He said, I told you. I told you I was going to put my son in you. I told you he would be the savior for all mankind. And here these shepherds have come and walked far, well, six miles probably from outside of Bethlehem there in Jerusalem at least, to find him. And he was speaking to Joseph and Mary. I want you to think about this. Mary had just had an incident before with Elizabeth. Do you remember that? Where she went to to greet Elizabeth and, and the baby inside Elizabeth jumped in the womb. Think about that. Who was in Elizabeth's stomach? John the Baptist, leaping for joy because he knew the Savior was in the womb. There is your biggest biblical evidence against abortion right there. Abortion is not an opinion. Abortion is not a political matter. Abortion is a biblical matter. When that baby is in the womb, it is alive. It is life. And the first person to leap for joy at the Savior was what the world calls a water cells. It's a baby. And it leaped for joy in the womb. This is a big deal. So when we read it this year, can we read it with some enthusiasm? With some, with some faith and hope and encouragement? And can we push that out and we really feel in our heart? I mean just not some superficial generic way where you got to start jumping up and down when you read. I mean really feel it within your heart and your soul that this is a moment. This is when heaven came down and revealed the Christ, the God-man to us the savior the gift that god wants to give is so huge number 5 what's the significance of the shepherd story that the gift being given is the capital T the capital S shepherd the gift that's being given is the shepherd so he went to a shepherd I want you to think about that. That's a beautiful moment. Shepherding, biblically, one of the oldest of professions. You can go back to Abel. You can go back to Adam, I guess, if you will. Not specifically labeled as a shepherd, but was given charge of all the animals in the kingdom and to take care of them, right? We know that historically, you look and you got Jacob and his sons, Moses, David, all shepherds in Scripture. And there's a lot of, Alluding to shepherding in passages of the Old Testament. One of the most popular, you know, Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my what? It's my shepherd. Okay? As David, a shepherd himself, was was, through the Holy Spirit putting Scripture down, the Lord was moving in him and, and pushing him and giving this example of a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Where's the significance in that? There's something in this. There's got to be. He went to a shepherd. He calls himself the shepherd. Did Jesus call himself a shepherd? Let's read John 10. John chapter 10. Let's read verses 1 through 18. John chapter 10, 1 through 18. Not Corinthians, bread. Here we go. John chapter 10, 1 through 18. Jesus' words, Most surely I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They will by no means follow a stranger. You remember that passage from the false teacher message? But will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. What? All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear the voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my father jesus called himself the good shepherd but did you catch some things in there that he said and alluded to that really should make you go what he said i'm the door What? okay i get that you're the shepherd that makes sense but you're a door what does that mean well when you look at the historical data of the time isn't that beautiful when you can go back and you look and you see what what the Bible alludes to it and it just makes it come alive. I hope you know and understand that there's truth in that. And again, nothing's just there by chance. So you look at Jesus says, I'm the door. And it's leaded, uh, alluding to this thing called a, a sheepfold. What is all that stuff? And then when you go back to our passage in Luke, and when they come to the shepherds, it says they were out in their fields when? When did it say they were in their fields? What time of day? It was night. Oh. Why wouldn't you go in the daytime when everybody's awake? Because there's a message in it. Jesus said he's the door. He went to the shepherds at night. If you look back at what's going on at night, what is a sheepfold? A lot of times, obviously, during the day, the sheep were out grazing in the pasture. At night, the shepherds would bring the sheep in and put them in something called a sheepfold to protect them. It was an establishment of rocks, really, of rock walls. Okay, around that would to put brush or briars across the top sometimes so no animal or something could come in. And it had only one entranceway, one gate. And the shepherd at night would lay down in front of it like a door. So that no sheep could come out without waking him up. He'd have to walk right over his stomach, snoring and all. and Wake him up. Nothing could come in. And get to the sheep without the shepherd knowing it. And he was physically the door for the sheep. Does John 10 come alive now? Kind of gives a little doctrine of eternal security in there too, doesn't it? That, hey, you're my sheep and no one can pluck you out of my hand because I'm the door. I've got you guarded. Even in the darkest of night, when the wolves are out, I've got you. So Jesus' message of this comes as the shepherd was laying, guarding his sheep as the door. It's beautiful. You study scripture, how it comes alive. He's not mixing metaphors here. He is the door. He is the good shepherd. And he is on these larger sheepfolds the only one who knows who comes in and out of the gate. And only his sheep can go in and out because his sheep know his voice. Number six. Why is the significance of the shepherds? Because this gift would become the sacrifice. This gift would become the sacrifice. And I want you to think about this again. We've already said it. Nobody knew this was going to really happen. All right? Even the disciples, people walking with Jesus, the people on Palm Sunday, nobody knew he was really going to a cross to die, that he was going to be the sacrifice. That just wasn't, it wasn't registering to anybody. So at the time, I'm sure these shepherds had no clue. That he would be the sacrifice, that he was the savior born and now would become the sacrifice. So how do we get this message out of this situation, that the gift would become a sacrifice? Well, let's look. Verse 8, it says that in the same region, right? What region is this? Where are we at? Where's, where's Jesus born? Bethlehem, okay, right? In the same region, where are we at? Jerusalem 6 miles away so we're somewhere between Bethlehem Jerusalem we're in the same region 6 miles south is the city of Jerusalem Here's what you need to know Rabbis had made a rule and recorded it in the Mishnah which is the codification of Jewish law and kind of customs at the time that any animal found between Jerusalem and a certain spot in Bethlehem was subject to be used as a sacrifice in the temple So now, between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, shepherds at the door, now these sheep are here. And within the Mishnah, these sheep are now within the limits to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. And Jesus reveals himself to the shepherds within that region, knowing that these sheep are the sacrifice for sins at the time, but that he would become the lamb That would be the ultimate and final sacrifice for the sins of mankind forever. There's significance in the shepherds. Isaiah 53 says, He who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God Look at verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge by righteous my righteous servant to five many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The gift will become a sacrifice. The significance of going to the shepherds in that region at that time of day, giving that message means everything. It was a precursor as to what was about to happen. The lamb that would go to be slain for the sins of the world. If we look at the final gift in this particular passage, looking at the shepherds, it was a gift that the shepherds really gave back. And we talked about it a little bit at the beginning. They gave their life, their time, and their trust to a holy God. Have you done that? The angel, all they had to do was tell them what happened. And they looked at each other and said, let's go. Jesus has already told you who he is, what's happened, and where you're going to find what you need to look for. Have you looked at each other and said, let's go? Why don't you do it now? Look at the person beside you and tell them, let's go. God's revealed himself to us, but are we truly seeking him? Or do we have too much going on to just do it right now? Will we hear the message today that the shepherds gave the gift of their life, their time? Nothing was more important, even tending to the sheep that they were to protect. And I'm sure it was hard to rattle them up and let's go six miles or whatever it took. But they did it. So what is God calling you to do that you're going to have to step out? It may be a little inconvenient. You may have to take a step of trust and faith and be caught like Mary did. But God's going to show up if you're truly in his will. If you've made yourself a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him, you've resisted the patterns of this world through the power of the spirit of God in your life, and you are being continually transformed by the renewing of your mind, he will show you his will, and he will give you some God winks when you step out. There's significance in the message of the shepherds. The gift is for everyone, from the most lowly, humble, isolated of society to the who's who among the great. But have you received it, or are you just still stuck in the field, tending the sheep, because seeking him is really not important right now? God's message today to all of us is I came to the shepherds for a reason. Now you know some truth and I hope you learned a lot as I did as I studied this as to why even down to the details of the time of day that he went in the area that the shepherds were in that he went to. God's in the details of your life and he's speaking and he's calling you out right now. So will you seek him, and will you truly seek after the gift and not settle for something else? Bow our head and close our eyes as we close. If you're here today, maybe you've never received the gift yet. You've never received Christ. You've never made him Lord of your life like we've talked about today. Maybe, maybe you've prayed a prayer before. Maybe you've even called on his name, Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls upon his name shall be saved. There's truth in that. But there's also truth in Romans, I mean, sorry, in Matthew 7. When you get into verse 21 through 23, it says, not everyone who calls me Lord is going to enter my kingdom. Which is it, Brad? Is it everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Or is it not everyone who calls me Lord is going to enter my kingdom? It's both. They're both true. How? What makes the difference then between the one who calls out and the one who calls him Lord and he doesn't know him? Where's the difference? It's in the surrender of your heart because you can call out with your lips but if your heart's far from him and you haven't surrendered it to him you're lost and going to hell it broke my heart. I was at an event this week and a pastor stood up and gave a gospel message. Great that he did. But he didn't allude in the message of salvation and taking people through the prayer that there was anything to do with repentance, of surrender of their heart and their life. He even quoted Romans ten thirteen, saying everyone who calls on his name should be saved. So if you pray this prayer, you're saved today. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness gracious, how many people are you giving false hope who have head knowledge about who Jesus is, but they haven't surrendered their heart and their life to Jesus through repentance. The message of the gospel is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Yes, call upon his name, and that's only good when you do it, Romans 10, 9 and 10, with the heart that you believe through and are justified. Do you got the truth of scripture there? Maybe you've called on his name before. Maybe you have head knowledge about who Jesus is. But have you surrendered your heart and your life, your will, to his will? That's salvation. Have you chose, God, I've fallen short of your glory. Romans 3.23, I've messed this up and I'm in need of you. My Savior today, the gift for all mankind, the lamb that was slain, wash me, cleanse me in your blood. I repent of that, my sin. That means I'm not just sorry for my sin. That means I'm choosing to turn away from my sin through the power of your glory today. Or is that you today? That's salvation. Then you can, Romans 10.13, call upon his name and you will be saved have you done it if you haven't let's get it right today Maybe you hear and you say, Brad, man, I've walked in and out of church doors my whole life, and man, I've, I've even prayed the prayer, I, and, and man, I know there was a time where I was on fire for God. I know the Holy Spirit of God's in my life, but lately I've drifted, I've walked away, I've backslidden. Man, I, I've, I've drifted away like the prodigal son, and today I want to come running back to the cross today. I want to come after the gift that I know where I'm going to find what I'm looking for, because I've, I've searched the world, and I've given my life to everything else that said it was going to fill me up, and I'm empty, and I'm searching, and I'm hurting, and I'm tired of doing life on my own today and I'm running back to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to rededicate your life to him today. So whether you're here and you need to receive him for the first time or you need to rededicate your life and come running back today, do it now. Do it today. Don't wait any longer. God has revealed himself to you today. Don't wait and stay in the field with the sheep. Go seek the shepherd right now. Pray right now from your heart to God's heart. Say, Dear Lord, I love you and I'm coming to you right now, humble, And with a repentant heart, am I admitting to you right now that I'm a sinner? I've fallen short of your glory, and I'm in need of you, my Savior. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. 100% God, 100% man, the gift given. So that I can be set free. Thank you for his body that was broken and the blood that was shed that I... I can have forgiveness of sin. That I could be redeemed, renewed, and restored today. Thank you for raising him from the grave three days later in victory over hell, death, and the grave. And Lord, I want to claim that same victory right now in my life, Lord, because I need it desperately. And Lord, right now, today is my commitment to you because I'm stepping out in faith. And I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you all of me. And my commitment to you is to now give you my life and every breath that I take and every step that I make for your glory. Come into my life, change me, sanctify me through your spirit. Give me a new heart, give me a new desire, and set me on the path of your glory. Amen, if you prayed that prayer right now, you meant business with God today, you received him for the first time or you rededicated your life, forget the person around you, beside you, behind you right now, boldly and unashamed, raise your hands and I want you to pray for me, I prayed that prayer I meant business with God today I received Him for the first time or I rededicated my life to Him Amen, impact, can we give the Lord a big round of applause for His gift the gift of His Son this Christmas the gift that everybody really needs that everybody's really looking for so help us take this message today and, and really go back and Ponder it and think about it, meditate on it, and pray over it. And Lord, how can I apply this message today? And what was taught about the significance of the shepherds. Next week, we'll look at the significance of the wise men and what that means in their journey that they had to take and how God's going to use that and apply to our life as well. So let's take this message as we do and say each week. Let's go make an impact for Jesus, grab a friend, grab an extra family member, and come to church next Sunday. It's going to be great. So go out, be the church, and we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work, and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ.